It's four o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm taking your calls and your questions today, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number to dial. You can also text me, 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897 is the text line. All the lines are wide open right now. If you've been wanting to get on the show and you haven't been able to get on, this is a good time to call while the lines are open. As the show progresses, the lines fill up and it's harder to get in. You get a busy signal. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number while we're waiting for calls to come in. I want to read to you today's devotional from Beside Still Waters, and it is an encouraging devotional from Charles Spurgeon. I'd encourage it for anyone going through difficult times. Uh, Even if you're not going through difficult times, it's very helpful. It's called Beside Still Waters, Words of Comfort for the Soul. And today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 25, verse 34 which says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. And the title of the Devo is Inherit the Kingdom. And here we go. If the Lord does not return, and we are taken home by death, there is nothing to fear. Our Lord does not pick his fruit unwisely. Saints are prepared to go before they go. I've never visited a member of this church who expressed the slightest dismay or fear in dying. Grace is given, and they rise above the hour's weakness. The Lord Jesus gives them triumph over pain and death. They pass away as if going to a wedding rather than to a grave. Doubts are driven away when you see believers die. What will be the first five minutes in heaven like? There's the larger question. What will thousands of years in heaven be like? What will myriads of ages in heaven be like? My my disembodied spirit will be perfectly happy in my Lord's embrace, and in due time the resurrection day will dawn. This body will rise again in full glory. There will be a remarriage of the soul and the body, and we will be like our risen Lord. Oh, the glory of that expected end. We will be introduced to the society of angels, to the presence of cherubim and seraphim. We will see him whom we have loved for so long we will hear him say come you blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you 303-690-3000 i love charles spurgeon he just gets right to the point gets right to the essence of the scripture 303-690-3000 is the number to dial and encourage you to call us uh, directly while the phone lines are open we got a couple phone lines open. While we are waiting, I was uh, asked a question recently. Uh, what does a grieving friend need? Uh, what can we do to help those in our lives that are grieving? And it's a great question because I actually wrote a blog post on this question and on my website at edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. And I, I wrote one back in January of 2016. 
entitled Four Things Your Grieving Friend Needs From You. Uh, And I'll post it on our social media as well, uh, both here and my personal, uh, just to to give a link. But uh, it is Four Things Your Grieving Friend Needs From You. Let me read it to you. I'm just finishing up the book of Job in my daily reading through the chronological Bible for the new year. Every time I read his true story and how he was treated by his friend, my heart goes out to him. He's in pain and I can feel it. He's lost everything. Most acute was the loss of his children instantly, immediately, in a moment. The deep searing pain of loss is real in his life. Grief has gripped his heart. His health has failed him. His wife has spoken discouraging words to him. It's hard. Within a week or so, his friends show up and do the best thing for him that they possibly could. They sit with him in silence for seven days. I believe his friends did care about him and did want to help. Unfortunately, the week-long silence was broken, and then his friends began to talk. They made a lot of mistakes that we want to avoid. Job expresses the rawness of his heart, and his friends start to tell him what they think their opinion, and quite frankly, said some harsh, hurtful things to him. They would be hurtful to someone that isn't grieving, but to one who's in pain, the words came as a hot, searing stab. From Job's friends, we can learn a few things about how best to serve our grieving friends by being careful how you speak with them. And then I numbered them out. Number one, your grieving friend needs your encouragement. Encouragement can be given in all sorts of ways. You can hang out in silence. You could bring food. You could help clean the house. You could run errands. When you think encouragement, think of supporting, strengthening, and helping your friend in this dark night of the soul. One way we don't encourage those grieving is by making things harder for them, by making the friendship all about you. Encourage them and watch the Lord use that in a huge way. So I'll I'll just pause. We'll take some calls and we'll read through this blog, uh, this post that I wrote that's gotten quite a bit of traction. Uh, I think it'd be good for you to share it uh, as well. I know the Lord would use it uh, mightily uh, in your life and in the life of your friend and just how God wants to use it. I'm going to post it up in just a moment on our, uh, on our um, social media, but let me get over to line number one is Bianca. Bianca has a praise report. Hi, Bianca. Hey, Pastor Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I have a prayer request, I mean praise report, and this is not to say that the Lord has completely answered a prayer that I've been having, but a couple of weeks, I believe, I called about I called to ask prayer for a project that I'm trying to work on, of which I cannot share any details because of the nature of the project. And my praise report is that I have gotten the first stage of this project done And with that, I really would like some prayer that the Lord continues opening doors because because of the nature of this project, sometimes I don't really know where to go, and 
Okay. And just completing stage one of this big project was a bit challenging, I guess is the right word. Yes. Okay. But just keep me in prayer for the remainder of this project because this can take a year or two years. I don't have a, a time frame anymore. Okay, well, let's do that. Father, thank you for the partial answer. You know what you've done so far in our sister's life with this project that you put before her. And, and Lord, you know we desire to see the end of what you have promised. You said that, that we could be confident that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we know that that speaks of our salvation. It speaks of our relationship with you. But it also speaks of your character and nature that you start things in us and you finish them. And it may not be in our time, and it may be a little harder than we thought or obstacles here and there, but what you've begun, Lord, not only in bringing us to, to heaven with you, but, but what you've begun in our lives, God. I pray for Bianca as you have brought her thus far, and may you bring her to the very end, to the finish line. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, lines are wide open today. If you want to give me a call, you guys on the East Coast, love to hear from you, 303-690-3000. Also, if you're here in the metro area in Colorado, uh, Wyoming, number works. If you want to text me, uh, we can fill some of the time with texts as well. It's 720-336-0897 and... I've got a text that says, My cousin's mom is a pastor of a church alongside of her husband. How do I explain to her that a woman cannot be a pastor of a church according to the Bible? And Liz texts this in. Liz, that's a, a real debatable question in our culture today with two very strong sides, uh, that people taking sides on both ends, that women cannot be elders, our pastors, and then, of course, our Assembly of God friends, our friends in the vineyard, our friends in the Foursquare, um, they see no problem with um, women being pastors. Um, my view of the Bible, uh, according to Timothy, is that women are not to be elders or pastors in a church. And the Paul makes a, a strong point, and I, I taught this. This is where um, our archives and our Bible studies online will really help. In First Timothy chapter 2, it says, Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Uh, and the authority over a man within the context of the, the body of Christ is a very important principle. Uh, and this is one of the places that I would go to. And if you email me, I can send you an article that, that would highlight, um, it would draw out the, the deeper theological significance of this. Uh, and, and it is debatable, but, but I don't uh, look down on my Assembly God friends, my Foursquare friends. We're the body of Christ. God uses women in incredible ways. Uh, women are phenomenal teachers. Uh, and, and if they've been given the, the leadership and they, they take a different view from the scriptures, then um, I'm always reminded that who am I to judge another man's servant? Uh, they're going to stand or fall before the Lord. I disagree with them, but I still love them. 
And I'm sure if they examine my ministry in life, they'd probably disagree with things in my life. And I hope that love would bind us together in the body of Christ. Uh, and, and I would encourage, you know, when you look at First uh, Timothy chapter 3, right after this, First Timothy chapter 3 begins to lay out the qualifications for elders. And one of the qualifications for elders is that he is the husband of one wife. Uh, and, and then the deacons, uh, the male deacons, there's no female equivalent of elders given in the scriptures. Uh, the, the qualifications of deacons uh, is wives, must be reverent, not slanderers. And at the same time in the scriptures, we have uh, someone like Phoebe that's described as a deaconess, but we don't have a female equivalent of elder in the scriptures. Um, I, know when, I, I know women can teach. Uh, I know they're gifted to teach. I know ontologically, that's a technical word, ontologically, men and women are valued the same before God, and ontological just simply means our nature, but functionally, we are very different. And we live in a culture, our culture in the last, you know, maybe 100 years or so is women can do anything men can do, or men can do anything that women can do. Let me just say that's not true. Men cannot do anything that women can do. Men cannot have a baby. Men were not designed to have a baby. Now, before you call and go, well, but wait a minute, Ed, I read this article in Science. That, that wasn't God's intention. Uh, you know, whatever they did, and I don't even know, but whatever they did to put a womb in a man's body, or it wasn't God's intention. It wasn't God's creative order. And, and the, the idea of being ontologically equal and yet functionally different Let me give you another one. I'll I'll tell you one thing a a woman can never be. A woman can never do this. She can never be a dad. Now, you single moms might be going, wait a minute, Ed, you don't understand what I'm going through. No, you are functioning, you are playing the role of a dad, but you know as well as I do that you're not the dad. You know as well as I do that you don't want to be the dad. Uh, You know if you had your way, everything would have worked out and there would still be a mom and dad in the home. And a, da- a man can't be a mom, and a, and a woman can't be a dad. And there's a lot of things that when we think of, uh, of it that we can't do. And it doesn't make us any less of a person. It doesn't make us any less of a person. You know, there's, a, there's like right now, Trent is the producer of today's show, and there's one thing that Ed can't do. Ed can never be Trent. Trent is who he is. And, and we can go, we can think of dozens and dozens of things that, the statement, we can do whatever we want to do. Um, you know, I was reading recently on this very topic, not, not necessarily the women pastors, but the topic of this, our culture saying you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be. You know, that would be really, really difficult to tell a person that is 5'2", uh, that uh, has um, a club foot, that they're going to be an NBA star. Uh, that would be a cruel thing to say. Now, I know that there could be surgery, and praise God, we have kids in our, in our fellowship that have been uh, healed of that. Um, but it would be a very difficult thing to say or, or um, so much of what's going on in our lives um, that where we were born and the family that we're in, uh, that, that we might be able to encourage someone to be something. The, the better thing to say is that you're going to be all that God wants you to be and that you submit yourself to him. So if you email me, I'll give you some more information. Um, it is... Uh, quite divisive in the body of Christ today, this whole topic of women pastors. 
uh, and many denominations ordain women, uh, and women teach and lead, uh, and I haven't really seen a strong biblical argument for that. I've seen a lot of cultural arguments for that, but not biblical arguments. Uh, I, I don't want to sell short, though, the idea that God uses women throughout the scriptures, because he does. As a matter of fact, in my experience, including in my own home, I found that the wife is a lot more, uh, women are a lot more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than men can be. And I've served men and women for many, many years, and it seems to be true that, that women really hear from the Lord, sometimes even faster than men do. Um, and they, they have a sensitivity about you ladies. You have a sensitivity about you. Uh, that God has put into you. Uh, you. You are phenomenal moms. And you look throughout the scriptures of the women that God used. Miriam was a worship leader in Exodus 15. Deborah was a judge, Jude 4. Uh, excuse me, Judges 4. Uh, Hola was a prophetess, 2 Chronicles 34. Anna was a prophetess, Luke 20, chapter 2. Priscilla was a teacher alongside of her husband, Acts chapter 18. Phoebe was a deaconess, Romans 16. And there were many women around Jesus serving him, ministering alongside of him. Uh, and at, we just saw this last Sunday in our Bible study. While Jesus is hanging on the cross, who is there? Four women, or three women and a man. So three to one women were represented at the foot of the cross. Uh, and you guys are valuable and incredibly important to the body of Christ. Uh, and don't let function uh, or culture dictate to you your value. God gives you your value. 303-690-3000 is the number. We got full phone lines, so let's jump back to phone lines, and we are going to pick up with Sherry on line one. Sherry, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate welcome. that. How can I help you? You're on the air. Well, I would just like to really give a phase, uh, praise to the Lord because He has been so good. He always is, but you know, it's nice whenever you're praying and your community's praying for things that you need, and you can always rely on on Psalm 121, let me tell you, because I took my problems to the Lord, and He was there for me. He always is. The thing, and it's just nice whenever it comes back, and, and it's good for other people to see, too. Um, you know, in Psalm 16, 8, too, I will not be shaken. Let me tell you, He has given me the strength through some crazy things going on in my life with my husband, um, that God has just been there. And we have the greatest community, and everybody has put their prayers in, but I just feel like everybody needs to give the thanks, too. Yes. Just as much prayer as we've had, man, I just want everybody to give thanks as well, because God is so good to us. I agree. He's just so good to us. Well, thanks for sharing that. It reminded me of a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 17, uh, in verse 11. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, they met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And, it was, and so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God, fell down on his face, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus Amen. answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any who found any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Mark 5.36, you know, at the end of it. Just don't be afraid. Just believe. 
Amen. Well, thank you, Sherry. It's very encouraging. Yes. You know what? Just be encouraged, because if you look for it, it's there. If you want to look the other way, it's there, too. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. We're going to pick up with line number. We're going to go next to Sarah. Sarah's calling from Aurora. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. I just had a quick question for you. Yes. I was listening to Abounding Grace, I think last week or the week before, and you said something about we need to stop identifying ourselves by our past. Yes. And I don't feel like I know how to do that exactly, um, particularly when it comes to my testimony. Yes. I just cannot even start writing my testimony, and I've thought about it for years, but I just don't know how to get past the past um, without, like, I, I... I feel like I want to share something, but to what degree, I just don't know how to do that. Well, I think there's a few questions that, that, are, that are, arise from what you're talking about. You know, one, when we're putting our testimonies together, uh, we're going to have to touch on our past. Uh, we're going to have to come face-to-face with our past. Uh, we're going to have to uh, run the risk of reliving some of the pain of the past. Uh, before we get to the victory part. And, and when we're putting our testimony together, we should have a few different testimonies depending on our audience. Uh, you know, One, it may be very therapeutic and healing for you to just write a thorough one down as much as you can. Maybe that'll just be a personal testimony that you keep for yourself, but as you're writing it, it you're getting it out of you. And you're, being, you're able to look back and, and see just how much how, how much God has done and just how far he's brought you. And, and it, it's very powerful just to write it and get it out. <clears throat> um, then you want to write a short testimony, you know, where you're going to be really brief about your past. Uh, you're going to be real brief, kind of an overview. Uh, instead of all the details, you just summarize it with a phrase. Or, um, you know, remember we were learning about, um, we were learning about testimonies and we, we write, you know, our past, what, what was the event that God got our attention and brought, him, brought us to himself and now what God's doing in us. And you can write a couple different ones depending on the audience. Uh, and, and then when it comes to identifying ourselves by our past, that, that's a real heavy, it's a really heavy thing to consider because here's the, here's the scripture that comes to mind when I think of our past. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old mm-hmm. things have passed away, Behold, all things have become new. And there, there is a functional spiritual power in being born again, where we are born again to a new life, to a new direction, and quite literally, we are no longer who we used to be. And one illustration that, that I use, and I'll, I'll be able to explain it because I don't want to be misunderstood, but uh, there was a season in my life uh, before I got saved where I got in trouble with the law, and I was sentenced to having to attend Alcoholic Anonymous meetings. Uh, that was part of my sentence. And I went in to them and, and attended all the meetings that I was supposed to. And one of the things I noticed in Alcoholic Anonymous meetings is that we all had the opportunity to introduce ourselves. So we would get up and say, hi, I'm Ed. And then the very next phrase would be, I'm an alcoholic. Now, mm-hmm. when I stood up uh, at those meetings and I said that back then, it was a true statement. Uh, I was addicted to alcohol. I was an alcoholic. Uh, it wouldn't be hard for me 
to say that 20 something, 26 plus years ago. But if I was to attend an Alcoholic Anonymous meeting today, I couldn't say in good conscience, hi, I'm Ed, I'm an alcoholic. Um, because according to the Bible and the work of God inside of me, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I've mm-hmm. been set free. And, and therefore, I have the freedom now not to identify myself by my past. Um, when I talk about my past, I, I'm, I, wanna, I want everyone to be assured that it was my past. Um, I, I don't struggle with alcohol anymore. I haven't taken a drink in 26 years. Uh, it doesn't tempt me. Uh, it's not an issue in my life. Uh, and, and so I don't want to identify myself by something that I'm not. I don't want the world to place their label on me and say, well, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be how the world sees it, but, but the way God sees it is that he can set you free from that. Um, he can you know, heal your past wounds uh, he can now make you Ed, the sober-minded mo- man. You know, if I got up, hi, I'm Ed, and I'm sober-minded. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've been delivered by God. I'm a new person. As a matter of fact, if you compare the Ed that's talking today to the Ed of 26 years ago, those are two profoundly different men, uh, in, in not only in spiritual ways, the unseen, but that the change in the spiritual realm has turned around to what is seen. Uh, and not only... It's God changed me from the inside, but he's also changed me on the outside. And, and when you begin to think about your past, um, when I use the phrase identify ourselves by our past, um, I really mean that. Like we identify ourselves by who we used to be and instead of acknowledging that we're not that person anymore. Hmm. Well, there's a part of me that wants to tell all of it because it was hidden for so long. Yes. And I know that's not wise, but I don't really know the balance. And I guess it just... I I think you say it in a general way, you know, because um, you were hurt. And I I know the hurt because you've shared, we've prayed about it after a service. And you can say the hurt, you know, in your general testimony, you can say, this is what happened to me. And summarize it in a phrase or summarize it in a sentence and let it sit there because I tell you the people that are listening to you that have experienced something similar to you will know exactly what you're talking about in their own context. Mm-hmm. And then the people that haven't experienced what you've been through will know to some degree the kind of pain and hurt that you carry even if they can't specifically feel it with you uh, because they haven't personally experienced it. So you can do like um, a flyover on that particular yeah sin that that was that was against you and talk about some of the consequences that you felt some of the things that you even endure today because of that um while walking like you said in wisdom of not giving every single little thing um, that Mm -hmm. would that would really serve no purpose uh, you know it would probably be negative and and that's not the Mm -hmm. point of sharing your testimony no no but when, okay. we, when we talk about our past, you know, like I just did, a significant part of my past, I always am quick to remind myself and just speak the truth that I'm not, that Ed Taylor, the Bible says, died. And a new Ed, just like yeah. when we're baptizing, you know, the old, it's symbolic of the old man dying and the new man being raised again. And even though you're talking about the past, you're not going to be a slave to the past. <clears throat> yeah. 
The only real connection it has to my testimony is that I'm fairly certain I was saved when I was five, but because of that sin, it just, there was so much guilt that I felt that I didn't know for sure, and I thought, when I was 15, I'm not going to take the risk of being wrong, Yes. so I'm just going to be saved now, and so probably I was saved when I was five, but... I know for sure I was saved when I was 15. Yes. And you can talk about being five and where you were at and how God validated and ratified it at 15. Yeah. You can do both. All right. All right. I'll let you go. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live so fast. The first part of the program is behind us. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back, everyone, to today's edition, the second half of today's edition of Calvary Live. Everyone listening on the East Coast, welcome, welcome. You're out in Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Uh, Those of you here up and down the front range listening on Grace FM, uh, we're so blessed to Spend the afternoon with you talking about the things of the Lord, praying about things, taking your calls, your questions, your texts. You can call. Uh, phone lines are full now, but as soon as you hear a call drop off, you can call us at 303-690-3000, and then you can text us. We're working through. We've got quite a few texts today, so thank you guys. We'll try to get through most of them, uh, but um, we're probably not going to be able to if the lines stay full. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. Text me. Seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven is the number. Uh, here's a text question: If Mormons believe Christ died on on the cross for their sins, why aren't they Christians? Will they be saved? That's a really good question. And the difficulty that a Mormon faces, uh, a, a person that attends the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, or a person that believes in the teachings of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and the Council and the Apostles and uh, the, the whole uh, organization of Mormonism, the biggest problem that they have is that they don't believe in the Christ of the Bible. They do not believe in the Christ that revealed himself as the uncreated one, the eternal one, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Uh, Mormons believe that Jesus is actually part of a of one of many cosmic families around the, the globe, the planet, the, the stratosphere, and that Jesus, the Christ that they believe died on the cross, is defined as the spirit brother of Lucifer the devil. And as it's been wisely been said before, if we have it wrong with Jesus then we're going to have it wrong with everything else. And, and so their faith in a Christ, even and, and you say, well, wait a minute, Ed, are there more than one Christ? Yes, there are. Um, they're counterfeits. And the Christ of Mormonism is a counterfeit Christ. And if you're a Mormon listening in right now, you're maybe somebody's been knocked on your door and it's made you curious, I, I really want to encourage you to, uh, even though you've been told not to do this, um, I would challenge you, to study, 
to show yourself approved, especially the history of your movement. Study. Uh, there's so much information, factual information, on not only historic Christianity, uh, but also on the origins of Mormonism and the history of Mormonism and the, the faults and failures uh, of Mormonism. Uh, not just in, like, Christianity has faults and failures too, but it's theologically, doctrinally. And there's so much information available. And, and I know you, you probably even feel guilty reading a book like this, but I'll give you a recommendation. Because if you're a Mormon listening in, I, I, I want you to know that God loves you. Uh, you're, you're not outside of the love of God. Uh, you might be outside of experiencing the love of God, even as a good moral person. Um, there are a lot of good moral people that don't have a relationship with the one true God. There's a lot of religious people uh, that, that are good and moral, but don't have a relationship with God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. So I'll give you a recommendation. Get on Amazon, uh, or you could pick it up in our bookstore here, and, and then read it, and, and let, let the facts settle in your heart. It's called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Mormons by Ron Rhodes. Reasoning from the Scriptures with Mormons by Ron Rhodes. And that will give you, I know you're taught not to read other things, but unfortunately that's not a good teaching. Um, So I encourage you to do that. Please pray for our missionaries in Israel. We will. God, we here at Calvary, we have a couple missionaries in Israel, uh, Bess and Larry, and we lift them up to you. I pray for my friend Joel uh, and his family, Joel Rosenberg, and the ministry that you're doing through his life in Israel, and countless other uh, men and women who love Messiah. Brian and Carmen are, are, you know, and I wouldn't even say so much missionaries as they are lovers of Israel and the people of Israel. Would you establish them and strengthen them? I know there's some prayer requests in Brian's and Carmen's life that they're asking for, Lord, some open doors that can only come from you. Uh, and, and so I pray that you would give them uh, that open door for their ministry in Israel. And Bess and Larry, they just inspire me, Lord. They encourage me uh, of what they're doing in hosting these short-term teams. And I pray for our upcoming trip uh, that Cassandra will be leading, God, this blesser and encourager uh, as she leads a team to serve in humanitarian ways with the love of God and the love of Yeshua. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get back to the phone lines now and see where we will pick up here. Uh, I think we are going to pick up with Eduardo from Greeley, Colorado. Eduardo, welcome to the program. Uh, hi, how you doing? Good, Thank how are you? you? Uh, pretty good. I was just uh, calling because I had a question. Uh, what's the correct way to get baptized? And, and I know because uh, I was just wondering because... Uh, as I read uh, Acts two, thirty-eight, it says uh, Peter replied, "All of you must turn away from your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then your sins will be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." Yes. So then uh, I turn to Matthew on twenty-eight, verse nineteen, and it says, uh, "So you must make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the the name of the Father and of the Son and in the Holy Spirit." So I would just, that's my question. So which way is the correct way to be baptized? We hold to the Matthew 28 um, version, saying that we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, 
if if you were baptized in the name of Jesus only, uh, and it was intended to cover the Godhead and the triune God, uh, that that would be okay as well. The the problem with the name of Jesus is that a false teaching has right has risen up, uh, where it's the Jesus only. Um, they're Jesus only that that's the only way you can be baptized, which is in contradiction to Matthew twenty eight, uh, and and so the. You know, Acts 2.38, you're right, uh, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, even back in Acts chapter 4, or later on in Acts chapter 4, you know, there's no other name under heaven given among men which must be saved. Uh, and, you know, when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, there's an understanding that that name, you're associating with that name. Uh, and then Jesus himself, he gives us instruction, uh, identifying ourselves with the Trinity, um, belonging to the Father, saved by the Son, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so if you're not, um, you know, you're not a oneness Pentecostal um, baptizing in the name of Jesus only, um, denying the Trinity, then it would be okay if you were baptized in the name of Jesus. Uh, because in, when you're baptized in the name of, you're associating with Jesus, and he indeed did save you. Uh, but he also, Jesus himself, told us to associate uh, with <clears throat> Jesus command came before Acts 238. So I'm going to I don't think Acts 238 um is in contradiction uh to Matthew 28. I just don't think it's a complete thought of Matthew 28. So what we've chosen now uh is the I we we use the the formula that Jesus gave in Matthew 28. Uh, okay. All right, yeah, it makes sense. So so let's say even though like you got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and so if your inner you and your brain and your inner spirit tells you that you're doing it for the living God, which is Jesus Christ, the only one that died for my sins, and I believe in the Father and the Son, well, that's, so then my own self, that would still count, right? Yeah, I mean, the bottom line in baptism is that you're identifying yourself with Jesus. Uh, you're identifying yourself with God who saved you through his Son and the power of his Holy Spirit, uh, that you're identifying with the death, the life, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I, I think that as long as you weren't baptized uh, by a heretical non uh, somebody that doesn't believe in the Trinity, I mean, if that you're listening in right now and you go, "Wow, I went to a church and they baptize in Jesus' name only because they don't believe in the Trinity," then then I would want you to get baptized again. All right, then yeah, it, it makes sense. Uh, I under, I completely understand now, and uh, I just had that question that way. Today, when I have a conversation with my family, I could uh, kind of explain to my wife, my mother, and because they had that kind of question, so that's why I was kind of calling for I could kind of explain to them too. So yes. I'm very thankful you kind of explained that to me. That's a great question, and it's sort of like this, you know. Um, if what um, if are you married? Yes. Okay. So what's your wife's name? Isamar. Okay. So if I said I'm going to Eduardo's house, don't you think I would also mean your wife's house as well? Uh, yeah. And so it's possible. It's possible to say a name and mean more than the name. Does that yeah, make sense? Right, right. And and that's what I see. Even though they only mention the name Jesus, they're not. Ne- Peter's not saying. Um, first of all, he's not saying that baptism saves you. Number one, uh, and number two, he's not saying he's not giving a formula for baptizing. He is uh, declaring the the glorious work of Jesus Christ before their baptism. Okay. Okay. 
All right, then. Well, thank you so much for uh, answering me that question. It really, uh, I, I really picked up on it. I, really, I understand just exactly how you uh, explained to me, so I'm very thankful. Well, you're welcome. God bless you, man. Thank you, and you have a great one, sir. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number to dial, and you can text us. We got lots of text questions. I don't know if I'll get to them all, but I'll certainly try. We're going to move on to and Andrea from Inglewood. Andrea, welcome to the program. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I just have a prayer request. Um, So I gave my life to Christ three years ago, um, and in the last six months I have completely fallen away. I've been partying. I've been just a mess. And a week ago, two weeks ago, I actually um, cheated on my boyfriend, and then I told him, and he kicked me out. And I'm not, you know, I don't feel like I'm in the... um, place to have him take me back. Like, I don't even want to ask because he doesn't deserve it. I just pray that everyone would pray with me to come back to Christ and repent and also pray that he comes back to Christ and that he doesn't hold anger in his heart. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on in your life right now that would be really helpful for you to work through with with another woman, a godly woman. Uh, Do you have any friendships with older women in the church that you attend? Um, I have a few. Um, most of my sisters in Christ are about my same age. Okay. I, I would I would definitely get connected with uh, maybe one of the prayer counselors or the pastors in your church that can connect you with an older woman. Uh, not that your friends aren't going to be a great help to you. They are. But this sounds like a, something that that really goes to the to the heart of who you are as a person, that God is sorting out some things in your life, um, that partying and that lifestyle— and then even being being taken advantage and yielding yourself to another man uh, is trying to you know trying to serve some satisfaction in in your life that only comes through Christ and and knowing that He loves you for who you are and you don't need another man's companionship and you don't need to be out in the party scene in order to have a satisfaction a life filled with satisfaction in your relationship with the Lord that He is everything that you need even more than your former boyfriend. And it would be really helpful for a woman to walk through to start digging deep of some of the things that need to be tossed aside in your life. Um, because it would be easy for me to say, you know what, what are you thinking? Why are you partying? And what? But, but that's you already know that. So now we need to get to the root of what is it that when tempted, when tempted to go hang out and in places that you know are going to lead away from the Lord, that that you said that's more attractive to me right now than my personal walk with the Lord and all that he's done and and really train yourself to to live a life that is consistent with who you are in Christ. Yeah. Cuz you get this temporary satisfaction, you know, you get a night of laughter, you get a lot, night of dancing and you get a night of even uh, feeling like somebody accepts you uh, and feeling like, you know, this this guy really likes me and it, and and that gives you a good feeling when in reality he doesn't like you. But you're in the moment, you know, and you don't he doesn't really like you cuz he took advantage of you. And and yet you're in the moment of all these emotions and feelings that are that are overwhelming your mind because in your mind you know this isn't for you. In your mind you know this is a part of your past. In your mind you know you want to obey God, but then in your feelings and where you're at and how you're approaching life, um, all of these things are rushing into your life, and you're feeling 
satisfied for the moment, but then now you've got heaps of guilt and shame, and and you're just looking at your life um, like, man, what an, what, why did I do that? And that's yeah. a good question to ask. Why did you do that? Yeah. Because God can heal that wound. God can heal that difficulty. God can heal that deception. God can heal that bad habit. And you'll find yourself in a much stronger place. But it, you know, that's why it's good to sit down with a woman because there's probably some woman things in your life, personal woman things, emotional things that would be best brought out by another woman. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I just feel like I'm telling you. I feel like this, like this is a word from the Lord. Are you, are you tracking with me? Yes, I am. Um, you know, I just want to praise God for. I know He doesn't like want me to sin, but in doing this, I just realized. You know, my sin is so ugly, and it just brought me back. You know, I'm not gonna. I hope. I pray to God. I'm not going to be the same person, and I just know that a life without my family in Christ and the people who genuinely want good things for me from the Lord. It's just completely different than the life that I've been living. So I'm just thankful for that. And I was reading this morning, uh, I even, I tweeted it. I was reading, I'm reading a book on problems and, and how God uses problems in our lives because it seems like so much, so much of our time in life is spent trying to run away from problems when all the while God uses problems uh, to, to develop us and to bring us to the end of ourselves like you are. Um, you're at the end of yourself. You know, you're at the place where you're crying out to God. And, and, and yeah, it's a bummer the way it happened, but it's a good thing the way it's ending. Yeah. Uh, and let me see if I can find it real quick. I, said, it's, I don't want to misquote it. It said, um, uh, Ed, it says, uh, problems are God's main tool for bringing us to the end of our own resources and into the deep experience of all his riches. Yeah. And now here you I'm, are, crying out to him. I'm reading um, Lee Strobel's A Case for Grace. Yes. And uh, it is just, it's what I need right now. You know, God is so good, and I know that he loves me no matter what, but I've never felt more unworthy of the grace, you know? And it's not only that I'm <laughs> forgiven, I'm... He's inviting me in as his family, as his daughter, even though I am like this, you know, and it's just an amazing thing. So I just want to praise him for that as well. Well, let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my sister as she uh, recovers from a series of bad decisions, and and I'm grateful because I I hear about these things uh, in so many more people that that don't come to the end of themselves, uh, that, that aren't there yet. I was just praying with somebody yesterday about their, about his boys, they're just not at the end of themselves yet, and they're out living life uh, in, in, a, in a way that doesn't honor you or glorify you, and they're not at the end, um, but Andrea is, and I pray that this would be a great growing point for her, that this problem, even if it, it's out of her own hands, is actually a, uh, an opening for her to receive the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that's already hers in Christ Jesus, and so I pray for her, Lord. I lift her up to you and ask that that your hand would be upon her, God. And, and this woman, I don't know who it is, but this woman that you would put into her life just to, to walk her along, encourage her weekly or every couple weeks, call her, text her, uh, answer questions, and get to the root of some of the issues that are deep within her, uh, that are deep within her identity, uh, deep, Lord, that need a touching, 
a touch of your spirit to heal her, uh, to, to, to just help her to move forward uh, in her walk with you. And so we look forward to the praise reports that are going to come in Andrea's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a good day. Thank you. God bless. Okay, bye-bye. And I hope you guys listening in, because I know there are many people listening in that were partying last week or partying a couple weeks ago or, or even dabbling in alcohol or you know, things that, that, that just really aren't edifying to the Lord. Um, I just pray the Holy Spirit would speak to you. you know, not, not my opinion. I, I already know for me, alcohol wrecked my life. It wrecked my family's life, wrecked my wife's life, my kid, my son Eddie had to endure it. Um, I already know. Nobody needs to convince me. Nobody needs to show me a scripture. The Holy Spirit's already shown me. Ed, stay sober. I mean, I could find scriptures that say, be drunk, not drunk with wine, which is an excess. And I know that then, just like the earlier caller we had, you know, there's even debate. Well, you know, the Bible says you can drink and not get drunk, which is true. Um, but I just don't, I don't get the, I don't, I don't get the value of why even going down that route. Even if you can handle it, I respect you for that. But we're surrounded by people that can't handle it. And it's a powerful testimony to be able to look somebody in the eye and say, hey, look, um, I, don't, I don't mess around with that stuff just for people like you. I mean, it's a powerful thing. Um, and it, it, it does great damage. Lord, help us. 303-690-3000. John's calling from Wellington. John, Hello, welcome Pastor to the program. Ed. You're Hello, on the Pastor air. Ed. Hey. Hey, uh, uh, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I was just listening about Andrea there. And I, I, I listen to you guys quite often, and inevitably, you know, I have to reach for the tissues. So that was just breaking my heart. I'll be praying for her, yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, but anyway, you. what I called about, I wanted to share something about uh, the gal that was talking earlier about uh, about things from her past. And I was uh, this last weekend, uh, or last uh, Thursday and Friday, I was up in Laramie listening to Graham Cook, and he had a, a fabulous analogy that uh, <clears throat> that goes hand-in-hand uh, hand with with that. Okay. And we didn't know where he was going with this, but he starts out and says, says that, well, you people in the U.S. have this wonderful service called the trash collector. And he said that once a week, you put trash out, and they come and they take it. And, and uh, they're very good about it, and it's just a wonderful service. And he says, can you imagine... How you would uh, wouldn't you be angry if one week they brought it back? And I was like, wow. And of course, he's talking about you know reliving your past. You yes. know, you put that out and put it behind you, and you know not taking it back. And so I thought, uh, well, you know that would be something. Maybe maybe somebody could take a run with that one. Huh? You know, that's a that's a great illustration. I like it. <laughs> Amen. Thanks. Okay, that was all. I just wanted to share that with you. And, Thank you. And uh, God bless you, Andre. I'll be praying for you if you're listening. Thanks. God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Let's see if we can uh, pull one more call here, maybe two. Michael. Michael, you're on the air. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. God bless you. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? I'm blessed of God. I really am. Okay. What can I do for you? I need some prayer. Um, I've had a change in lifestyles, uh, lifestyle because I'm more or less because of health reasons and my inability 
to work anymore. I've had, I kind of had to force my, I forced myself to go into retirement and I'm going through a series of doing medical tests and stuff. Uh, we're dealing with the social security people and then whatnot, you know, you know, you know how I'm, what I'm talking about, okay. but more importantly is I have a whole lot more time on my hands and where I was always very busy trying to work. I never had time for the Lord because I was always focusing on working and getting to work on time and things like that. Now I've got time to, to serve the Lord. And today, um, my friend and I, my pastor, my, um, of a church I go to, we went out down to the local homeless shelter and passed out cold water and some snacks to the guys coming in from, from the street, ready to waiting to go in. And it was pretty neat. That's awesome. That's good. But, let's, let's pray. We're coming up to the end here. So let's pray. Well, what I need for pastor Ed, what pastor? Yes. What I need prayer for is I don't know what my future holds. Okay. Uh, and I'm, I'm not really insecure, but I just want to pray about my future with God and what he wants me to do and what he wants wants to what he wants to do with me shall I say and that's what I need prayer for okay and I would say that you and I are in the same boat I don't know what my future holds either and it's a good thing to know that the Lord does he knows what he wants to do with us he knows what he's going to do with us and just even as I begin to pray I'm so grateful for his faithfulness in your life in my life Trent's in the same boat he doesn't know what the future holds either God only reveals it to us right when we're like on a need-to-know basis, and God tells us when we need to know. And so I pray for my friend Michael, Lord. I know that it is a very surreal time uh, to consider um, the reality of what the future holds. And, and all of us are in the same boat, except in different ways. Uh, Michael has a way, I have a way, you have a way, and uh, you know Trent has a way, Micah has a way. We all we all don't know what the future holds, and we, we want to learn how to, to cling to you, God. We, we want to learn how to um, trust you in an unknown future. And I know it's a, I know it's a, uh, a cliche almost, but sometimes cliches are so good that, um, that it says, uh, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And so, God, we trust ourselves to you. We just affirm it. Um, we, we verbally affirm uh, that we trust you with our future, uh, what you want to accomplish from the moment of, uh, I mean, you knew us even before we were born. <laughs> I mean, you knew, and, and now all the way through in this age and whatever you have left for us, God, good or bad, easy or hard, going to be used for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Michael, I know the Lord's going to answer that prayer. All right, we're going to, this will be our last uh, call. Jackie, welcome to the program. Hi, I just want to pray for you. Great. Go for it. Father God, thank you so much for Pastor Ed. I thank you that he causes me and many others to trust in you deeper, Lord, for everything you have for us. I just ask that you fill him up, fill up his um, mind, soul, spirit, strength, Lord, whatever he needs, you know that. Yes. And I just ask that you encourage him, Lord, with all that you are and the greatness that you are. Mm. Thank you that you are the great I am. You are the beginning and the end, and you have everything in your hands. Yes. We trust in you, Father. And just thank you for Pastor Ed. Be with him and his family, Lord, in a mighty way. In Jesus' most awesome name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, we don't have time uh, for this call, uh, Alex. I know you're listening on Greeley. You asked about Bethel Church. 
problems with music and Bill Johnson's teaching, um, reject the teachings of Bill Johnson. Um, he is a part of the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, don't accept that. Uh, don't believe it's biblical. Um, Beth, the Bethel Church and the Jesus Culture have some really good songs uh, that are biblical and doctrinally sound, and they have some really bad songs that are not biblical and not doctrinally sound. And like with any music, you have to be discerning. Uh, and you know, I haven't heard everything Bill Johnson's ever taught, um, but there are better teachers out there, uh, and I would steer folks away uh, from Bethel Church and from Bill Johnson. But you know, you can call next time and we could talk about the questions you might have. Um, but doctrinally, you can be really strong on the doctrine. Thanks for joining us this afternoon on Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Tomorrow is the five-year uh, mark of the Aurora Theater shooting, and I just want to end the show with the names of those that lost their lives and, and pray for their families. Jonathan Blunk, Alexander Boyk, Jesse Childress, Gordon Cowden, Jessica Gowie, Matt McGuinn, Michaela Medic, Veronica Moser-Sullivan, Alex Sullivan, Alexander Tevis, Rebecca Wingo, John Laramie. You're not forgotten. Your families, if you're listening in, we haven't forgotten you. Um, even though I know people, I'll talk a little bit about it more tomorrow, but people do get on with their lives as they should, um, and, and maybe even some have forgotten, but I want you to know that God hasn't forgotten about you. He loves you. Uh, he cares for you, and grief is hard. And if you need help, call our church. We have a grief share ministry here that would love to serve you. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. We'll be Bible study tonight here at Calvary, 7 p.m. Hampton and Tower. Go to calvaryaurora.org for information and directions. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.